So how was your week? Are you, are you at the point where you can say, I'm glad it's Sunday? Amen. Sundays are always good. You know, I thank God for a day that's different from all the other days. If it weren't for Sunday, you know, it would just, it would just go from one week to the other without any, without any break, without any feature. I love coming together to worship with God's people. There's nothing like it on this earth. You can't just go and get it anywhere, amen? You have your Bibles with you? I mean, if you don't, that's okay, but I wish you did. The Word of God today is needed more than any other time that I have seen in my 57 years of life on this planet. We are living in a time where it is absolutely a necessity to find out where God is going and follow Him. We have winds of doctrines that are blowing through this nation and even in our community. I'm not going to go into any details, but I just want to tell you, it's good to have the Word of God placed deep down in your heart. And not just that, but also to know that the Spirit of God that's dwelling within you is there to lead you into all truth. He is there to lead you to Jesus and keep you there. And I thank God for the keeping power of His great grace. I am glad that the Word of God says the righteous man falls seven times and gets up again. It's not how many times he's falling, it's that one more time of getting up again that makes him righteous. Think on that for a while. Kind of takes a lot of anxiety out of things, doesn't it? It's because he loves you. And he that began a good work will be faithful to complete it till that day that we see him. Are you ready to see him? Isn't he good? Ask you a a personal question. Has your portion in Jesus been sweet? Or you got something rumbling inside and you're like, "Ah, I don't know about that. Receive it by faith (laughs) and go on from there. I've been in that position. But I can come away and say this. Everything that I've been through, I have seen the Lord God Almighty, victorious in it. The Lord is a fighter. He fights on our behalf all the time. When you were growing up and you had a bully picking on you, did you ever have somebody bigger come along and just say, hey, leave him alone? Or maybe you've done that. I hope you weren't the bully. (laughs) You know, I I was was just a little guy. When I was, I think when I was... um, well, I was always the smallest in my class until about my senior year. And then I was one of the lighter ones. I got picked on. But I learned to fight. I wasn't a fighter. And I wasn't one to go around picking fights. But now that I'm older, I've been serving the Lord since 1981, not by anything that I have done, but by His goodness. April 5th, 1981, I hear 
I hear the voice of the Lord when he speaks. It's like, it's like the voice of many waters that John said in the Revelation. He said it's the voice of many waters. It's, it's living, it's moving, and it's loud. You like to hear his voice? And it was about a year ago he said, he, he used a he used a, a movie a movie uh, of my uh, one of my favorites is uh, Braveheart with Mel Gibson and that part where he rides toward the enemy lines of the bully England the greatest army and he rides off alone leaving his guys behind he rides off alone and and his and his friends look at him and say, where are you going? He says, I'm going to pick a fight. I heard the Lord say to me about a year ago, he says, Rip, let's pick a fight. And you've heard me say it before, and I'm going to say it again. God loves a good fight. Why? Because he's never lost. And he never will. He just wants his people to show up and fight the good fight of faith. Fight. And I fear that sometimes in this kingdom that his people are becoming too passive. Too passive. When evil arises, we just say, I don't want to offend anybody. Who do you serve? Who do you serve? Jesus said that he is the rock of offense. Oh my goodness. This week determined to fight the good fight of faith. Now that's a word for somebody that's going through something. That was not part of what I wanted to speak on this morning. I've got the microphone, so I just wait until it's my turn to speak to release those things. If Pastor Mike was here, I'd whisper in his ear, i got a word for your people. But I'm releasing that this morning to somebody to be blessed. God says to strengthen those weary hands. Psalm 144.1 is for you this morning that are weary in your hands. Blessed be the Lord God, my rock, who teaches my hands to war and my fingers to battle. Fight. Fight. Amen? It's this time of year that... Okay, break. It's this time of year that I call the dead of winter. And I'm thankful that it only comes once a year. The dead of winter, right in the middle of January, and you think, man, spring is so far away, but we're further along than we were way back in November when it was snowing really hard, and we wondered, what's it going to be like in December? We are in the dead of winter. We're right in smack in the middle of it. And you know, even in the dead of winter, even when, even when the time of planting and seed time is afar, we are still called 
to be planters because there is a garden to be tended at all times, no matter what season. And that is the garden of our lives. If I could speak one message, I don't take it for granted. When I was a pastor, I'd say, well, you know, God willing, I'll preach next week. God willing, I'll preach on Wednesday, Sunday night. But anymore, it's like, Lord, one of these days I'm going to preach my last message and I'm going to see you face to face. And if I could preach one last message to you this morning, it would be this one. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, we have the word of the Lord giving us a stern warning. A stern warning. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever you plant, whatsoever you sow, that you will also reap. Okay, did you know that verse? Everybody does. That's an early one. That's one you learn, like, first off when you're, you know, when you're first saved and, you know. that. I'm wondering how much we hear that anymore or even live it. Now, those of us that are, that are a little bit further along, we're veterans of the faith. We, we have learned this by experience as well as by faith written in the Word of God. Whatever it is that we plant, we will also reap. Father, I want to thank you for your Word this morning. I want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you that you are diligently watching over your Word to see that it is performed. Because you are faithful, you are unchanging, and you are true. And Lord, I pray this word would be a blessing to you first. Lord, and to your people second. In Jesus' name, amen. A seed planted must grow. It is an immutable principle, law of God. Immutable. It means it cannot change. And it will not change over the passage of time. The law of sowing and reaping, God has placed in our lives, but over the entire universe, it is an immutable, unchangeable law of God. Whatsoever we plant, we shall also reap. Now, the Lord is using, the Lord is using a, a natural, a natural framework here, context, an analogy that we should look and, and absolutely know what he's talking about by example, that when you take a, a, a seed of corn and you place it in the ground, guess what's going to grow? Yep. Jack and the beanstalk. No? Mm-mm. Corn. You can't take a particular seed, plant it, and expect something else to grow. Sometimes we do, don't we? Oh, I'm not talking farming now. A seed planted must grow. Whatever it is that we plant, we will also reap. And I like the part where it says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. If we went through our lives and we were just carelessly throwing the seeds of thought and the seeds of actions and deeds just throwing them all over the place with no regard or fear of God, 
We cannot on the last day, when this stuff starts coming up, we cannot on the last day blame God for it. Or be mad at Him for it. God is not mocked, so don't be deceived. Whatever it is we plant, we will also reap. Now, we can always bend this over to the flip side of the coin, which is good things, that we do lots of good things, and we will have lots of good things coming back. That is a good thing to look at. However, the weight of this passage is in the negative. It is a warning. It's not an exhortation. It's a warning for us to be careful what it is we plant. So I want to take just a few moments and talk to you about planting and reaping. Why is this immutable? Why is it unchanging? Because God is unchanging. How is it that the same thing we plant will also come up somewhere in our lives? Because He sees everything. Because He knows everything. But know this. And I'm going to quote Billy Graham several decades ago. I heard him say, he said, he said, some of us live the whole week sowing our wild oats and then we come into church on Sunday and pray for a crop failure. Don't sow bad seed. Be careful with that. There's an old story I heard long ago, and, and it, was, uh, it was one of those church stories where at the end of every service there would be, there would be the, the sweet little old lady in the back row, and she would, she would always close in prayer by saying, Oh, Lord, give us the strength. Give us the strength to clear all those cobwebs out of our lives. And the next week she'd say, Oh, Lord, Please give us the strength to clear all those cobwebs out of our lives. Week after week after week until finally one guy, he just got so tired of it, he said, Kill the spider! (laughs) Yes, (laughs) indeed. And we spend our lives plucking up all that, what we've planted and wondering why it keeps coming up. But I just want to give you a reminder that something that you planted five years ago, if it hasn't come up, it's either by the mercy of God to declare it dead, which He is not obligated to do, or maybe, maybe something that's coming up right now is what we planted five years ago. It takes time. There are some seeds that you plant that's going to take a while for it to come up. Don't weeds do that? I believe we're looking at weeds this morning, aren't we? Some things take a while to grow. Some things take a while to even sprout up. And some things sprout up and we don't even see it. It was, it was two years ago that in the spring uh, I planted clover. I wanted to make a nice food plot for my deer herd, you know. And, and so I went out there and I tilled it all off and I planted clover. And I mean, I, plant, I planted and I watered it. I watered it. I cared for it. I mean, every day I was out there waiting for that nice lush green cover of clover. I even used three times the seed I should have. I was doing everything. I was not doing everything right. I was overdoing it. And, and I went out there all the time. I'm out there every day, every night. I'm looking, when are they coming up? When are they coming up? 
And then it was one night, I just got really, really impatient. And I said, in the name of Jesus, a seed planted must grow. I believe in declaring things. And whether it's mere coincidence or a sign and wonder, even I don't know. But I went out there the next morning and I had green all over the place. But it was not something that you could readily see from leaving the back door. What I had to do was get real close to the ground and I could see these little tiny green things. And I go, wow, is that, is that clover? And I'm looking over here and there's more and there's more. And the further I walked, the more I would see. And, pretty soon, and you know what? If I had not been looking for it with my eyes right close to the ground, I would never have seen it. There are some things that we plant in our lives that are the same way. It comes up, and we don't even see it. I'm talking bad things, because we aren't paying attention to it. We didn't pay attention when we planted, and it just, you know, because you don't go out there and see it the next day, don't you think it's not going to grow? A seed planted must grow. And by the mercy of God, the Lord might say, that's enough. Okay, I'm going, to have, I'm going to have mercy on you. I'm going to guard this thing, and I'm going to declare it dead, that thing that you planted. But I'm here to tell you, God is not obligated to do that, is he? No. Why? Because he is not mocked. Don't be deceived. Whatever you plant will grow. It's amazing the things that we scatter and we don't even think about, and then five years later, ten years later, it starts coming up, and we look at it and we think, oh, that's just a coincidence. No, that's something we might have planted a long time ago. Then we forgot about it. A seed planted must grow. Every thought and every deed has a seed pod attached to it. Whoa, think about that for a minute. Every thought. And every deed has a seed pod attached to it. We can think sinful things. There are some people that have said, oh, no, no, you have, to, you have to act on it for it to be sin. Really? Get in the Word a little bit more. There are things that we can think that are sinful at that moment. In fact, adulterous. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And Jesus said, I say to you that if you even look upon a woman, that's lust. That comes in thoughts. The thought process. Every thought and every deed has a seed pod attached to it. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. This one is just a little bit deeper here. Second Corinthians eleven. The Lord says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid, Paul says, I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, 
your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Whoa. The things that we think, we need to be in command of. You've heard this said. Be in control of your thought life. If you think on things that were offensive to you a while back, what's going to happen if you keep on thinking about those? That's going to lead you into some territory that you would not want to go. And not only that, but even at the very moment, it robs you of peace. It robs you of joy. Think on the things of Christ. Think on the things that are pure. Whatsoever is pure. Think on those things. Have the mind of Christ over over everything that you see and you think. Don't look at things critically. Don't be a scrutinizer. Don't be a nitpicker going around looking for little tiny things that are crawling around that don't belong there. See things as God sees them. To the pure, all things are pure. Wouldn't you like to be in that place? I would. I strive for that. I strive for that. It was Isaiah who said, I believe it was in chapter 4. Oh, don't check me on that. I might be wrong. He confessed to the Lord, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live in a land of unclean lips. Isn't that today? The Lord in His, in His great and wonderful sovereignty answered one of my prayers and deepest desires of my heart some years back. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to be, I want to be on the front lines. I don't want to be in the back lines. It's not where, it's not where I belong. Lord, you have made me to be a warrior. I want to be out there. And so you know what he did? He put me in the juvenile probate system. Oh, my goodness. And I find even as Pastor Mike amened a couple weeks ago in, in, in Sunday school, he says, he says, Rep, that's just like church. <laughs> it is. I sit there and I call them as I see them. You know, the kids think I'm on that bus. I'm not a bus monitor. I'm an officer of the court. And I sit on that bus and I make them, I make them comply. I'm a compliance officer. And they look at me and, you know, I've had my kids come up to me and he says, he says, my friends think you're a probation officer. And I say, do you tell them I'm worse? <laughs> and I'm right in the middle of broken homes. Uh, I'm right in the middle of a hopeless generation. I am ministering to the kids that are throwaways. They've been neglected and thrown away. Many of them hate their mothers because their mothers don't want to see them anymore. Many of them, they hate their dads because their, their dads were never there. So they don't know who they're hating, but they've never seen them. These are the ones that I watch over. And I really enjoy it. And I thank God for it. But there are just times when I come away, and I come home at night about 7.30, I walk in through the door, and my wife can tell if I've had a good day or a bad day, if I'm glad the day is over. just want to tell you, I'm never out of, out of the reach of verbal abuse. <laughs> 
I get a lot of verbal abuse. Why? Because these are the kids that have been abused. And so they dish it out. But I make sure they comply. But I'm glad I'm there because I can witness to them. I'm there because they're there. They are the people of unclean lips. And I live in a land of unclean lips. Everywhere I go, I hear cussing and swearing. Everywhere. Everywhere. And one of those kids will... They'll, they'll say, I mean, they'll just launch the worst word they can think of and point it toward me. And then they'll turn right around and say, I'm sorry. And I'll look at them and I'll say, you can control that. they say, I am a drug addict. That is the least of my worries. I said, nope, I'm going to teach you how to live a normal life. That's why I'm here. And I also tell them I'm here to keep you out of detention, not send you to detention. But if you insist, I could do that too. (laughs) Isaiah had the same cry to God. He says, I live in a land of unclean lips. If we live our lives that way, everything we do, everything we say, Everything we think has a seed pod attached to it. Be that careful with your life. And later on, peace will sprout up. And pretty soon the the bad crop will just die out. It'll be gone. Because you're doing good things, thinking good things, planting good things. I can't tell you how lovely it is to wake up in the morning and say, Oh God, thank you for another day. I've been in that place where I'd wake up in the morning and say, by faith, God, by faith, I'm going to say thank you for a good day. I wake up with joy because I sow in peace. I think peaceful things. I cast down vain imaginations. I take every thought captive. I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon unclean things. You have to guard your heart. Guard your life. And you might think that's a little extreme to say that there are seed pods attached to my thoughts. Can I read you something? Maybe you've heard this before. This is a favorite of my wife. She, you know, through the years she would say this. But I want to... I know that some of you have heard it, but some of you haven't. But let me, let me give this to you. Sow a thought and reap an action. Sow an action and reap a habit. Sow a habit and reap a character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. And where did that start? You didn't get lost in that somewhere. Sow a thought and reap an action. There are seed pods attached to our thoughts. That's really important. The part where the Lord says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, you you will also reap. The part where it says, don't be deceived. Deception comes in by the way of carnal thinking. 
by the way of earthly thinking. Deception does not come about by reading God's Word and acting on it. It comes about by not doing that. You let your guard down. You are not thinking good thoughts, and pretty soon you're thinking things that aren't good. What are you going to do shortly after that? You will do something that you wish you'd not done, and afterwards the Holy Spirit in His goodness will convict you of sin, and at that point you will say, I need to repent of that. But it doesn't mean that something bad's not going to come up. You'll have to deal with it. We call that consequences. Everybody knows that. Consequences. But there is that thought in the back of our minds that for every bad thing we do, if we do ten good things, it kind of tips the scales in our favor. Amen? Hmm? Is that true? Every day and age, every age, every season, there are buzzwords that travel around in Christian circles as well as the circles of of the ungodly, the world in general. Buzzwords. Fad words. I don't like fads. I don't like fads because I'm a boring person. I don't like fads because I'm just good old Mr. One foot and the other. If it doesn't do me any good, I don't want it. Seriously. I don't like fads. If I catch on to a fad, it's probably because everybody else is done with it, and then maybe I'll pick it up and like it. But there are, there are buzzwords that are fads. You know what, you know what the buzzword of today is? Uh, there's a lot of them floating around. I, and, you know, social media just makes it, you know, it prop, propagates these things. But I want to give to you a buzzword this morning and tell me if it doesn't fit what I'm talking about. Karma. When you have somebody around you say, karma's a bummer, but they use a different word. <laughs> this one kids cuss, I say, get a thesaurus. And they look at me and say, what is a thesaurus? Isn't, didn't they die a few million years ago? So, no, 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 it's a book. It's, it's, it's other words that mean the same thing. So I tell them, get a thesaurus. Don't say those words. Karma. I hope that as a believer, you've never used that word. Because I have seen those who will confess Christ one moment and then turn around and use the word, oh man, karma. Mm, when they see something bad going on, that's karma. But you know what the problem with karma is? Is that it came from Buddhism. You know what the problem with Buddhism is? Buddha is still dead. Christ has risen. Karma is not compatible with the Word of God. In fact, karma is the Buddhist counterfeit to sowing and reaping, that immutable law that God has put into practice. And karma, the problem with karma is this. Yeah, you do bad. Everybody does bad. It's like we say, oh, everybody sins. That's the voice of compromise. The voice of compromise is that if you, if you do something bad, you can do enough good to where it just offsets it, cancels it out. Is that true? Don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. The other problem with karma 
is that it's vindictive in its usage today. Terribly vindictive. Let me give you an example. Do you like to witness to people when the door swings wide open? I love it. When somebody mentions karma to me, I'll give you an example. I still smile at this one. I had to give a, a transport ride to a kid who was just terribly bitter. The only thing I could say is that the young man was dark. His countenance, his spirit, dark. So we were coming back from Batoski, heading to Charlevoix, and, and I carry on a conversation with him. I wasn't taking him to detention. I was just carrying on conversation with him. And I could tell right away that he didn't like me. <laughs> That's okay. I don't care. I tell him that. Don't make the mistake of thinking if I care if you like me or not. <laughs> I'm doing my job. Well, I'm driving him, and I'm talking with him, and all of a sudden it just comes out of him. Oh, that bleepity bleep judge, and this person and that person, and he wanted to hang me in with it. And he says, karma is a beep. And I look at him and I say, I started laughing. He says, what are you laughing about? And I said, karma doesn't work on me. And he goes, why do you say that? Who? I look at him and I say, because I live in a superior kingdom. I live in a different kingdom than you do. And of course, his next question is, where's that? <laughs> I said, you understand, you are in a kingdom, right? I am too. I serve the Lord God Almighty of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I live in the kingdom of God, where karma does not exist. I said, what you are experiencing, son, is you are reaping what you have sown. Did someone twist your arm to get caught by the law? Did someone twist your arm to do anything bad? Listen, that's your problem, not mine. Karma doesn't work for me. But you see, again, I want to get back to it. The problem with karma is, first of all, it comes from a dead God. And it's also vindictive. God is not vindictive. He was the one who told us. He says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And when we come out with a karma thing or hear someone say karma, it, you know, karma is a bummer, uh, it's because we have looked at them and wished that bad would come to them, and it did. And so we think that the bad that came upon them is because of the bad that they've done to us. That's vindictive. You are robbing God. That's the problem with karma. It robs God. Because you're having vengeance in your own heart and your own mind. And the Lord says, vengeance is mine. <laughs> Don't rob God. That's the problem with karma. Karma also teaches that you can offset the bad by doing good. Wrong. That's not true. Use the opportunity to witness. Okay, show of hands. You ready to get your hand up for this? A really dumb question, but how many of you have heard that word karma used in the last couple weeks? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you like to share Christ with people? That door just swung wide open for you. When someone says to you, yeah, karma, you look at them and said, and say whatever you want to say, but bring them back to the Word of God. The reason why that happened is because there's been bad things that they've been doing, and God caught up with them, not karma. Their own bad caught up with them. The way of the transgressor is hard. That's the Word of God. Beware that your sin will find you out. That's the Word of God. But it's also the Lord who declares that He is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance through Christ. The price that was paid for our sin on the cross. If anything that I've said has kind of you know pricked something in you, just, just ask the Lord to help you with that. Repent of it and just go on. Plant good seed. Plant good things. And pretty soon the the ugly stuff will stop coming up. Doesn't mean that bad things will never happen to you. I wouldn't be silly enough to suggest that. Oh my goodness. Beware. Without without being bitter or critical. Beware when someone keeps telling you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you have one of those in your life, tell them to kill the spider. Even in our own lives, if we are continually doing something that we know we ought not to do, somewhere between somewhere between repentance and forgiveness is the I'm sorry thing that continues. It becomes mere apology. I tell the kids that are around me, change your life. Change your life. Or bad things are going to start coming up. And you think they're bad now? Worse things are going to come up. Change your life. Maybe for one person here, this is an intervention, a godly intervention. And I pray you see the mercy of God, that you, that you see his goodness. And heed the warning. I want to bring one last thought to you this morning. Turn with me to James 3.18. Do you like the book of James? Oh, my goodness. James. Ooh. I call James the first book of conviction. (laughs) There's no heavy arguments in James. He just tells it like it is. James 3.18. He talks about peacemakers who sow in peace. Peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers who sow in peace will harvest righteousness. 
You want to harvest righteousness? Isn't that a good thing to have popping up around you? Oh, that's cool. I love it. I really do. There's just something right about righteousness. So in peace. Stay away from strife. Do not sow in strife because you're going to, whoo. You sow into the wind, you're going to reap a what? Ooh, a whirlwind. You know what that tells me? That when you're sowing bad things, that things come back to you that are ramped up and further than where you want to go. Sin will always do that. It'll take you further than you want to go. Make you pay more than what you want to pay. Last longer than what you want it to. Do you know that that's also an immutable law of God? Just take, just take a one, one seed. Let's call it corn. Now this seed that I'm holding in my hand is not your Monsanto GMO style corn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> this is good old natural corn. You plant that one and what's going to come up? There'll be a couple ears on that stalk maybe. And guess what? How many more seeds are on that? And if you let that thing go, it's going to plant some more, right? I can remember years ago, my sister planted sunflowers in the backyard. And I, I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, let's see what happens. Boy, those things, they got really big and really tall. And the next year they came up. And the next year they came up. And the next year they came up all from one seed. That's scary. Every thought, every deed, every action has a seed pot attached to it. So, in peace. So, in peace. And see what comes up this week. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Lord, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you, Lord, for this thing called right living in you. But more than anything, I want to thank you for your voice. How you speak to us. Lord, You speak truth. You speak life. While your heads are bowed and your eyes closed this morning, your thoughts are are turning toward what was said and what, you know, and maybe what the Lord is dealing with you about. If you're here this morning and you've never, never given your life to Jesus, you've never, ever come to the place where you say, Lord, forgive me. You've never done that. You've not had a born-again experience. Can I tell you that you have come to the right place? You've come to a place where you can be set free from all that. If you have not had a born-again experience, you've not met God. You've not had your peace with Him. Would you raise your hand? Say, Pastor Rip, that's me. Maybe you're here and you're not wanting to raise your hand. That's okay. Maybe you're dealing with some things right now. Maybe something that was said. Maybe something that wasn't said and the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. 
can I just give you one encouragement? Let him deal with you and do the right thing. Jesus told Cain, sin is crouching at the door and it wishes to have you. Turn from it. Don't do it. Don't even think it. Seek God. So in peace. Father, I want to thank you for your word. And thank you for your greatness. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone that's here this morning. Lord, that you go with them. Give them a really good week. Thank you, Lord, for watching over them in safety and in health. A blessing, God, I extend to them, to their families. Lord, to their jobs, to their lives. Their servanthood in you. Lord, I pray that you would give them, Lord, one of those one of those door-wide-open kind of uh, opportunities to share Jesus with them, Lord. I pray for that. God, that there more and more we would see the spirit of evangelism arise, God, in our midst as we go out of here. And Lord, when we come in next week, we'll say, oh, Lord, it's been good. Father, a blessing over Pastor Mike and Chris, God, while they're gone. Lord, bless them really good. Lord, grant to them... Grant to them, Lord, every measure of joy and rest while they are away. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. God bless you as you go.